Hello. Welcome to Vet Club. Is it just me or is that music extra loud today? Oh, uh, it might be. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was kind of loud. Turn it up. No, turn, turn it, turn, turn it down. Turn it down for what? Turn, <laughs> just turn it down for my sanity. Uh, hi, welcome to Vet Club. It's been a little while. Sorry. I think it was like the holidays and just been busy, but we're back. Yay. We keep saying that every single time. Yeah, we're, we, we need it's to. It's just now a month show instead of a week show. Yeah, we need to, we need to be better. Anyhow, um, you had an idea for the show. I think you're hosting now. Didn't we decide that? Oh, I don't know. I think my idea for the show. Well, first I was like, we could talk about things that are anatomy and related. And you were like, no, that's boring. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and then you've done a bunch of like foreign body surgeries. And I don't think we've talked about that too much other than like, like I think, a random case. I think case we had a or, show a long time ago. I think one of our first shows. Yeah, probably I before with a I was a host. Yeah. No, I think you, it was, I talked with a surgeon. But now since I do this, I don't need a surgeon because I do the surgeries myself now. Yeah. Or you have Hannah do them. Yeah, that's that's cool too. Um, yeah, so you know we have a shortage of surgeons. Uh, I say we, it's capital W we in the profession, um, and then also lowercase we at Virginia Tech. Um, and so for the past like I don't know year or so, um, I've tried to like step up and do more. Like it just gets really sucky to turn cases away. And it's a surgery that um, makes sense for your yeah, it, department. Yeah. It's a completely reasonable emergency surgery to do. We're not really staffed. We don't have enough people to like yeah. oh, your do specialty. That. But it makes oh sense. yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, I've, uh, that is one of the common emergency surgeries, right? Like it's a common reason for animals to present that they need surgery and we can't schedule it for three weeks from now or three months or three years from now. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing, I've done, you know, a fair number. Dogs, cats, um, all of the, th- th- just those two species. But um, yeah, uh, so we we're going to talk about that. Not oh. just like the surgeries, but what? I've got a good joke for this. Okay. So what's the biggest foreign body you've seen? Uh, this is a big old chew toy thing. All right, the biggest one I've seen is Half Thor Bjornsson. Wow, <laughs> you're a dork. I saw him too. Yeah, he's pretty dude. Pretty, <laughs> pretty big. Um, he was yes, he is foreign as compared to us Americans. <laughs> he came to the U.S. for a competition. He is a really big dude. Yeah, was he the? He was yeah. He would have been the biggest of because there was other people. Yeah, from Brian Shaw's a little there, bit bigger than him, but he's not foreign to yeah, us. Yeah, he's. <laughs> Um, but there were some other big dudes. He was taller than them. I don't know. Like if we did like a a density and height and weight. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was at that time. Yeah. He's like the only guy bigger than those two is iron Bibby. And he hasn't, uh, I think that was Andre the giant was the biggest of all. Well, he would also not be, well, I don't actually know where Andre the giant's from. I'm pretty sure he was American, but I don't know. He was not American. He wasn't? I mean, he may have become an American citizen. I could believe that, but he was not born in the United States. All right. You talk about foreign bodies and I'm going to Google that. You're going to Google a specific foreign body? <laughs> yeah. Find out if he is a foreign body as compared to- This is why American. people listen to the show because is, of these fun facts, not because of your I'm, veterinary medicine, blah, 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 blah. Right. That I, I'm sure that that is true. You can probably Google that too. So anyway, um, talking about the, the foreign bodies in veterinary medicine- uh, what we're talking about here, we're going to talk about animals, really any animal, but usually in my world it's dogs and cats who have voluntarily ingested something that is not 
yeah, we're going to say not food or they shouldn't have ingested that becomes lodged somewhere and causes them problems. Um, and so, you know, normally the things that I focus on from as, you know, like ECC doctor is the diagnosing is, you know, making the um, diagnosis that yes, this animal has not just a foreign body, but one that is causing an obstruction and requires surgical intervention. <sighs> Um, because not all foreign bodies need surgery. Um, some of them will just pass out. They'll either get vomited up or they'll, um, they'll get pooped out the back. So is it ever a point where they like get like, they can just stay in the body? Um, probably not. Yes. Yes. That's a thing. Um, usually though, we're talking about things in the, the gastrointestinal tract. Um, but some of them can like sit in the stomach for a long time. If they're small enough, like for whatever reason, they don't leave the stomach and go into the small intestines, but they just like hang out in the stomach. It's not necessarily a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's causing a problem, like unless they're having signs. So yeah, there could be like, you know, small foreign objects that are just there. Um, but usually eventually by just random chance, they will end up leaving. Like it would be something that was heavy, kind of weighted and, and didn't get like squeezed out of the, um, out of the stomach into the duodenum. And then once it gets into the small intestine though, it's either going to leave or it's going to get stuck. Um, but like, I mean, we leave foreign bodies in animals all the time. Like after surgery, you put like metallic, like if you have a a fracture and you get metal implants, um, or there are things called hemoclips, like little staples to um, close off blood vessels during surgery. So sometimes we intention, now they're surgical grade and they're designed to be left behind. And they're not Um, in a organ that's going to try to squish them out. Yeah, exactly. So again, most of the time what we're talking about, but sometimes there are foreign objects that end up in the body through other mechanisms. So that's a really good point. These are not the kind of surgeries I tend to do. Um, but like sometimes, like say an animal got shot with a projectile. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Does like um, a buckshot count as a, a foreign body? Yes, it does. But it's usually not something, like we usually find those incidentally. Like you take x-rays of an animal and there's like a bunch of little tiny metal beads and you're like, oh, and that's not what they're in for. It's just like, oh, by the way, this dog got shot with buckshot at one, or this cat got shot with buckshot at some point, probably five years ago. Um, and so a lot of those, like the thing in, in movies, like they always have to remove the bullet. That's nah, a little crock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it needs to come out if it's in like a very particular area, but most of the time yeah, you bullets just are probably leave them pretty there. sterile. Cause I imagine they're pretty hot. The, yeah. The bullets themselves are what, what can be problematic is when they rip through the tissue, like the tissue, like the hair and the fur and stuff wasn't oh, yeah. exactly yeah. clean when you got shot. But even so, like most of the time you just leave the bullet behind, um, especially if it's really tiny like that and the body will just like oh that's dirty but whatever we'll clean it up and then you just leave it there um but sometimes they they cause problems so yeah like um, when you're going through airport security (laughs) exactly you don't want to get frisked as a cat exactly um you can never feel them like if like you take x-rays and an animal has buckshot and you go like you i shouldn't say never you can almost never feel them because they're usually deep enough and just i don't know the body's just like yeah this is part of me now we also do if they were that shallow the cat would have picked it out already yeah sometimes but like microchips like our cats are microchipped and so i can feel motors like i can feel his under under his back um and it's just like yeah that's a thing and the body's just like but those are things that are designed uh well not buckshot but well i guess it is sort of designed (laughs) to stay in the body um kind of short term i don't know anyway um but what I'm really talking about here are the things that dogs and cats swallow, like they ingest. And so, um, 
some some of the actually some of my favorite ones are like needle foreign bodies where they just like get implanted somewhere usually in like the mouth or throat area um the best ones are ones i can just reach that so i can i can just get to them um but sometimes they'll sort of needle their way oh have around. you seen the video it's uh just it's on twitter it. oh sorry go ahead no it was just a fine yeah it was a good yeah needle uh mm-hmm. please tell your funny story so there's a video going around on twitter and it's um, <laughs> that statement just doesn't make sense. I thought Twitter was about like words, and you just have 140 characters that you can. Hear. There's a video that's going around old on Twitter. Twitter. Also, it's not called Twitter. Whatever. It's X. X okay. is stupid to say. Twitter it sounds better. It is. It's true. Um. So this video, it's a, uh, it's kind of a weird situation. I don't get the situation. So it's this German Shepherdy looking dog, and this vet has it on the ground, kind of like, to where it's um, on its back, and it's kind of it's comfortably positioned and she like pushes on its throat, whatever, and pops something that was like stuck in its uh, airway out, like some what? toy or something. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's what it, I think they called it. It's like XXT. They had a what? name for like the technique, but it was kind of like, I didn't understand because there was a whole crowd of people sketchy. watching too. And, um, that it's like, how would you have that much time for something that's like in the dog's airway? So I don't know if maybe it was just like a a toy where the dog could still breathe, but it was stuck in its throat. But yeah, she just like goes at it its throat and does kind of like a, like a maneuver with her hands. Like she's not choking it and it just kind of like pops out of its mouth <laughs> and she grabs it and she's like fist pumps and like, yeah, and everybody cheers because they're excited because she got it out. Because it's probably something that it's like, oh, we'll have to do surgery to get it out. This sounds like a MacGyver moment. This sounds like one of those things where it was like, oh, we can see that it's stuck there, but it was inside the dog's mouth. It wasn't like over its like lower jaw or something. No, because I was expect. I that's what I thought. Like a I've bone heard you that's say like that. around the yeah. Um, but it didn't look like I haven't watched the video super close. But I think it was huh. in its throat. It couldn't have been in its throat. You couldn't reach it in its throat. It could have been in the back of its mouth, like behind its jaw or something. Yeah, it might have been that too. Um, that. I could maybe buy and they were like, well, let's video and see if this works. Yeah. Was the dog like fully awake or was it sedated? It was awake. That sounds weird. And I don't know. I'll have to see this. It video. may have been sedated, but I'm pretty sure it was awake. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds a little sketchy. Go check it out. Cause it was very set up. Like there were people watching like the way they described that is not a, that dog. is not like a known technique. This is not a thing. That's not like, Oh yeah. Whenever a dog is in blah, blah, blah. Cause you like, if like you said, most of the time, They'd be like choking or something. Yeah. They'd have a hard time breathing if it was, it was obstructing the airway. It was obstructing. I imagine like you wouldn't have time to set. No, you wouldn't be stuff. like, let's get everybody in position. You'd be like, bang, doom. Like you'd either have to get it out right now, like before it makes it to the vet, or you'd have to do like an emergency trach or something. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to find this. Yeah, this Twitter video, um, <laughs> and I'll watch that, and then we can talk about it. So anyway, uh, like magical maneuvers notwithstanding, um, normally like the typical foreign body is going to be dog cat ingested something. And then Topher, what do you think the clinical signs of a foreign body that is stuck somewhere in the gastrointestinal tract would be not pooping? Uh, kind, yeah, that's sort of kind of, but sometimes they have diarrhea, which is the opposite of not pooping. Probably more important and more common is, um, stomach pain, like intestinal pain sure you suck at this what uh, i mean yeah they probably have that but like what no it's vomiting the answer is vomiting <laughs> oh that's because they can't poop <laughs> no 
got to come out one way. No, it's because they're trying to get it out. Yeah. So it depends. So, but yeah, vomiting, um, plus or minus diarrhea, they may not be pooping. That's true. But sometimes they actually, um, have diarrhea because the intestines are very angry because things aren't happening the way they're supposed to, but vomiting and not eating usually some lethargy, but not always depends on like how bad it is, how sick it is in the breed and all sorts of things. But vomiting is going to be the most common thing, um, which the downside is vomiting is one of the most common reasons, um, you know, dogs and cats present period to emergency to yeah. not emergency. It's just really, so it doesn't it's really annoying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also an indication like something is wrong. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it, it seems like it'd be a pretty easy thing to figure out. Like, does this animal have a foreign object in its intestines? Um, and do we need to do surgery? Okay. I'm watching the video, right? Well, I saw the end of it. That dog is sedated for sure. It's like a bone. Show me the thing. Yeah. She's very excited. Yeah, it must have been like in his oropharynx like, or something. Yeah, it looks like it might have been a bone that had a, a hole in it. So. Yeah, so he could still breathe and stuff. Yeah, it was like in his oropharynx. They must have been able to feel it, um, like kind of back behind his throat. But yeah, um, but yeah, that's not like a maneuver. That's not like, oh, we train you to do this yeah. maneuver. You know, it's not like the Heimlich where it's like, this is a well-described thing. They were just excited because it was in the back of the throat. And they're like, how are we going to get this out? And they were like, well, let's try this. That's what 100%, I imagine. 100% though, that dog was sedated. Oh, no, it's not. How do you know? Because it gets up at the end and walks around. It doesn't mean it's not wasn't sedated. Oh, Psh. yeah, it does look pretty bar though. You're right. <laughs> That's a good dog. Yeah, he's a good boy. Either that or he was dying from asphyxiation. He wouldn't do that. What if this was all staged? What if this is like a trick this dog does, <laughs> and he just like they've got the whole. <laughs> All right, you're distracting me. <laughs> a black cat video about <laughs> it could be. Um, anyway, is everybody, every hopefully everybody is watching this video as they're listening. Probably not. Um, they keep you it. keep distracting me and interrupting me. Uh, yeah, no, it's your show. What are we talking about now? We're talking about four bodies. We've been I've been talking about this this whole show. By the way, Andre the Giant is from France. Yeah, what did I say? We come from France. What did I say? Did I say he was not American? <laughs> All right, back to foreign bodies. Mm -hmm. So how do you decide if you need to do a foreign body surgery? Yeah, that is, um, seems like it would be easy to sort out. And it's it's kind of not sometimes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's super obvious. Um, but what tests do you think we would do to help decide if an animal needs surgery or not? Uh, obviously, you would do a CBC chem. You are a butthead. <laughs> um, um, dear viewers... Listeners, they're not viewers, <laughs> your listeners. Uh, that was sarcasm. I hope uh, if this is, maybe if this is your first show listening to, you might not know that. That was sarcasm. That is not the right answer. Yeah, I have no idea. Guess, like a real guess, like a legitimate guess. I don't know that many veterinary tests. Yes, you do. You know, everybody knows this one. There's one. You want to look and see on the inside of this dog. Oh, you do one of them graphy things. <laughs> you mean? Ultrasound. <laughs> I was thinking just some x-rays, yo. X-ray. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know the names of all your scans. You know what x-rays are. I know what they are. Yeah, that's But I don't know. It's do. like everything's like, I know. Radio. MRI is you know NMR. I don't know no. anything beyond NMR. NMR? That's not even a thing. What are you talking about? What NMR is the basis of MRIs. NMR? Yeah. What does that stand for? Uh, nuclear magnetic radiance resonance. N nuclear? Yeah. 
I think pretty sure that's it is. It's how the hydrogen atoms tip when they're spinning and you put them through a... Uh, and you couldn't come up with x-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to probably start with x-rays. Um, <laughs> and so um, this, this sometimes will... Um, so what we're looking for... What do you think we're looking for? Um, something spooky in the gut. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it depends on what they may or may not have ingested. So if they ate something that is like mineral, like bone um, or something metal, um, then sometimes we can see that on the actual x-rays and we can be like, aha, that doesn't belong there. <laughs> um, but a lot of the things that animals eat don't show up clearly, like the, the object themselves don't show up on x-rays. Where it's just like behind a rib and you just can't see it. No. No. Okay. No. Not really. It's just like hiding. No, that's not. That's why. So that's actually a good point. That's why we take um, typically three view x-rays um, so that things can't hide behind ribs. Because mm -hmm. yes, an x-ray is a two-dimensional picture of a three-dimensional animal, but we take orthogonal views so that um, those types of things can't happen. Because I guess I'll amend my previous answer. Yes, it's possible that a foreign object could hide behind another structure. Um, but if you take proper multiple three view radiographs, um, it becomes far less likely. So yeah, typically x-rays we're going to be looking for maybe the, the foreign body itself, but even if there's a foreign body that doesn't necessarily tell me they need surgery. So what I'm looking for on x-rays is evidence of an obstruction. Um, and so the, the kind of classic, um, explanation that we're, or okay, let me amend that again. Um, for an intestinal foreign body, we're looking for that. If it's a gastric, meaning it's in the stomach, um, sometimes we can we are just actually looking for the the evidence of an object that doesn't belong in the stomach. Um, so we might be looking for what we call a filling defect. So I can't see like a squeaky toy isn't necessarily going to show up on X-rays, but the outline of it might because the stuff like yeah. Then you start putting minerals in squeaky toys. Sometimes they do. Some there are like make it easier to see. Yeah, um, maybe, but. Um, they're also just not supposed to eat them. <laughs> um, so if it's in the stomach, um, we're not necessarily going to see evidence of an obstruction, but um, we might say, hey, that's way too big to get past the stomach. Or if it does, it's going to be a problem. So we're just going to go and take it out now, um, either endoscopically or if that's not available surgically, or if it's too big to get out endoscopically. Um, but the more common one, um, usually in sicker patients, because if it's still in the stomach, usually animals, they're not doing too bad. Um, cause the other like food and water can get around the foreign body and, and past it. But if it gets in the stomach or past the stomach into the intestines and then gets lodged, we look for what we call two populations of bowel. So wherever the traffic jam is, traffic backs up behind that. And so it starts to get dilated because the intestines are trying to move things through, but nothing can get past the traffic jam. And so traffic builds up and it's gas and fluid and stuff. And so the intestines get really dilated. And then after the obstruction, it's just like what's going on friends? And so it's kind of normal. <laughs> just looking. hanging out. Yeah. Just trying to like, I guess we don't have anything to do today. Waiting for the traffic to come through. I was like, well, what's going on? Yeah. So, um, it, and so you see one section of intestines in the x-rays that look fairly normal in size. They're not really dilated. And then you see another um, portion of the intestines that are really dilated. And so that two populations of bowel is what we like to say. Um, but that sounds like, oh yeah, that should be easy. Except the colon is, or also called the large intestine, as its name implies, is bigger um, than the small intestine, not longer. Small intestine is much, much longer than the large intestine, but the large intestine can be big and dilated, and that's normal. So you might see really dilated um, loops of bowel, and on the x-rays, I can't tell 
ob- it's not obvious what is small intestine versus large intestine. Mm, maybe this except, is where the anatomy would come in. Except they're just so bored about. I just didn't want to have a whole show talking about anatomy. It's a very visual. Anyway, um, so we know where the colon lives. Um, we know where it should be and positionally, and then we know where it ends up, like right out the butt. And so we can track the large intestine if we take our three views. Um, but sometimes it's still hard. Um, so uh, there are other things we can do. We can do what's called a pneumocologram. Seems like a cool thing that a computer could do. Yeah, You just probably. get this thing and it's like, gives you a little line. Yeah, yeah. Um, as long as you have enough views and, but again, it's, everything gets kind of, you know, stacked on top of each other and it's not always that obvious. Um, but we can do things like a pneumocologram, which is a pretty, so if you're in a practice that like x-rays is what you have, um, you can put like a red rubber catheter in the dog or the cat's butt and inflate it with a little bit of air. And then you're like, aha, that's definitely colon. And that other thing is still there. (laughs) That's not the large intestine. Um, so that's sometimes helpful for like differentiating between small and large bowel. Um, and then sometimes like the x-rays are just like, eh, this could go either way. I had one of these, um, the end of this last week or no, that was I think it was New Year's, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day when I was working. Um, there was a dog that like was doing pretty good, feeling okay, but like subtle signs, um, hadn't been eating, had some vomiting, and we took some x-rays and I was like, ooh, there's kind of two populations of bowel. Um, there, there was. There was like pretty normal looking and then like a little bit dilated. But there are measurements like you're, it's, it's supposed to be um, two times, the, the, if it's bad, if it's like you need surgery, um, the, the cutoff typically recommended is that the the dilated portion is more than twice um, the width of the width of the uh, second lumbar vertebra so l2 twice the width of l2 and this one didn't reach that so i was like eh, let's wait and see because the dog was looking good so sometimes you just have to also wait and say it's not clear let's see what happens and then recheck x-rays in 12 hours or 24 hours and be like hey everything looks exactly the same as it did mm-hmm. 24 hours ago things aren't moving there's probably an obstruction um or hey everything's moving through or sometimes clinically they will tell you hey i'm fine now i'm, I'm pooping and eating and everything's okay all my clinical signs have gone away or hey i'm doing worse um but other times if you have it available um, and you have somebody who is good at um, ultrasound, like a radiologist typically, um, they can do an ultrasound and they can maybe see evidence of an obstruction. Uh, so it just, it depends. It depends a little bit on the scale. Like if I'm doing ultrasound, that's not the kind of thing I can decide um, on ultrasound. I'm, I'm looking for like free fluid or, you know, obvious things, but I'm going to use x-rays if it's me. Um, but I, you know, depending on the time of day and day of week, I might have access to a radiologist to do an ultrasound to help me figure that out sometimes too. The other, uh, so there's one other, well, there's two other, two other diagnostic tests. Um, and one that I think it's underutilized, but in really sick animals, like a, a dog or a cat that come in, comes in like flat out looking really crummy, very dehydrated, and the history fits like it could be a foreign body obstruction. I want a blood gas um, and I'm looking for a hypochloremic metabolic alkalosis. And for me, that's a fancy word. That's several fancy words. It's like three fancy words. Um, so they have a low chloride and they have the acid base abnormality is a metabolic alkalosis. So they have excess bicarb, um, and not enough chloride and their pH is high. And that happens, um, because basically they, they've been vomiting a bunch, so they lose a bunch of chloride. So that's where the hypochloremia comes in, but they're also really dehydrated, um, and probably either getting to the point or are already hypovolemic. So they're really, really behind on fluids. And so the kidneys are like, we should probably hang on to water. And they try really hard to do that. But the way that kidneys typically their favorite way to hold on to water is, um, 
is by holding on through the um, the loop of Henle, about 70% of the water gets reabsorbed in this area via the sodium-potassium-2 chloride pump. And so you have one sodium, one potassium, and two chloride molecules. And then you pull all those in and water follows all of those things. But you vomited up all your chloride. It's over there on the floor. Mm-hmm. And so that pump doesn't work because there isn't enough chloride for it to work. And so the kidneys are like, man, we really, really want to reabsorb some water. Ugh. Um, I guess we'll go downstream and we'll go to the distal tubule and we will hang on to sodium. But um, we have to, like sodium can't come by itself. It needs a chaperone. Um, and so uh, bicarb is also uh, has a negative charge and can chaperone sodium back into the body. Mm-hmm. And so the body starts holding on to bicarb in order to hold on to sodium in order to hold on to water and so it sacrifices having a normal ph to not die from a hypovolemia which is generally a good choice so if you have a really sick animal that could have um uh, foreign body obstruction and then you get a blood gas that says it's got a hypochloremic metabolic alkalosis i'm like i don't even need x-rays let's just go to surgery um yeah i think you've said that a couple times i know most people want but see here's the cool thing now if i had a case like this i'd be like Usually it's the surgeon who's like, I'm not going to surgery without x-rays. And I'm like, but we know what it is. Because the problem is if it comes back with x-rays that are like, eh, it could go either way. I'm like, yeah, but it needs surgery because this blood work. Um, so I'm just going to want to stabilize the animal and go to surgery. Unless it's like some weird scenario where like a foreign body seems really unlikely based on the history and signalment. But that's not, those aren't the cases that I'm trying to push people to do Yeah, I feel like for. a foreign body is kind of like always on the list it is often does your animal eat oh this is another this is another pearl you ready for this one um okay so a client you're like you know does your dog get into things oh no definitely not we watch him really closely except for you know like when he's out in the yard but he, he doesn't get into anything oh okay that's another way of saying your dog definitely gets into anything <laughs> um the only way i he doesn't get anything he just eats rocks yeah exactly the um so the only way i would believe somebody who said like there's no way their animal could have gotten into anything is if it's crated 24-7 with a muzzle in place. And even then, honestly, I'm still going to keep it on yeah. the list. Um, I'm like, yeah, but dogs find a way. Like those um, lemurs. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, yeah, it's always it's always a possibility. And I don't care how old the animal is because old dogs do dumb things too. Um, and it's actually, I, I think it's kind of cute when they do. Like when I get when I get to do surgery on a, like an old dog who's eating, I'm like, yeah, you go be a young dog. Good for you. Because it is classically a young dog thing. But like old dogs do dumb things too. Um, anyway. So the hypochloremic metabolic alkalosis is like, yeah, I am like building a case. The evidence is there. I want to take this animal to surgery. The last diagnostic test um, that I like to consider that a lot of people don't, there's other things, but like the last thing, like realistically that we're going to use, any guesses? Um, You're going to love slash hate this. It's surgery. surgery. (laughs) Yeah. So I think this... This is sometimes like underutilized. I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be like cavalier willy nilly about surgery, but sometimes we have these cases where the diagnostic tests that we have are just like not telling us for sure one way or the other what's going on. And so we end up doing every time it's a foreign body surgery, we say it's an exploratory laparotomy because we're basically saying until I look at it with my eyeballs, I don't know for sure what I'm going to find. Yeah, I feel like you've only had one that I can remember that you sent in. Didn't you have one? 
Like when you were at Florida? Oh, that I sent. Not that I did surgery on. No, no. That oh, you yeah. sent and the surgery is like, oh, there wasn't anything in there. Yeah, it's probably happened. It's definitely happened to me more than once. But, I feel like um, that I can remember. But it's not that common. And and the thing is, if it is, you just call it a negative explorer and you go, okay. Um, and you find what is in there. So sometimes you get biopsies of things that look weird. Um, the other thing is that a lot of the time they start to feel better after surgery. And so some people have referred to it as a therapeutic stir. <laughs> like yeah. you go, cause when you go into surgery, you're doing an explore. And so you, what's called run the bowel. So you pull up all of the intestines and you run them through with your fingers so you can feel, cause that's how you find the foreign body. You feel for it. And you're like, aha, there's this big firm thing that's not going yeah. anywhere. Um, and so you do an explore, you look at all of the organs, like the liver looks kind of funky. I should take a sample of that. And you're like, oh, you know, this lymph yeah, node looks kind of funky. Of I'm going to get a souvenir. Yeah. Like there's just so it's a big expensive Trepanning invasive. And and I, again, I don't want to be cavalier about it. Like surgery uh, is costly and it, there are risks with it. Um, but I think we've kind of moved in, in like the profession in some areas where like the, the fear of a negative explorer has just gotten out of hand was like oh well, we can't go to surgery if we don't find it's like well that was well, probably we also the to people like, about it. surgery for veterinary medicine has gotten a lot cleaner yeah like, probably one of the things like the practice is like oh yeah, you don't maybe. just toss it up on the butcher block table and yeah. cut it open so then we're better at it why are we so freaked out about doing surgery when there's not a hundred percent guarantee that what you're going to find so my experience over the years has been that um especially younger generations of surgeons are like i need a hundred thousand dollars worth of diagnostic tests to confirm without a shred of a doubt that this is going to be a foreign body and i need to know exactly where it is within three yeah, millimeters good medicine and it's just like no i just just go and look just look uh I, i'm obviously exaggerating um and and i you know a little pushback is good but sometimes i'm like hey you see how stable this dog is it's such a good anesthetic candidate that if we sit on this and wait until it's almost dead um i'm gonna be really mad <laughs> Because that's that's sometimes what happens is the animal's like doing okay and it's not that terrible. And it's like, well, I'm not convinced it needs surgery. And it's like, I don't need you to be convinced. I just need you to go and look around. <laughs> and so, so yeah. If anyway. they don't need surgery, what's, there's something that like internal medicine people do. It's the endoscopy. Endoscopy. So what? So that's if it's in the stomach. So it has to be in the, in the stomach for that? Yes, because the scope can't like, reach all the way through. Because there's that thing like when you're the kid and they tell you that your intestines are like miles long. Like <laughs> I think you'd need a pretty long They're not endoscope. miles long, but yeah. Um, but they, they're the scopes aren't long enough um, to go and retrieve something. So basically, maybe if it was still in the duodenum, which is the first section of intestine right after the stomach, but that would depend on the size of the animal and like what scopes you had available. But generally speaking, if it's out of the stomach, it's surgery. Um, so if you have a gastric foreign body in the stomach, um, scoping is like preferable if you have it available because there's no cutting involved. You knock them out, you go and you pull it out. Um, but like one of the first surgeries I did at Virginia Tech, um, you know, like last year or so was a dog who had swallowed a couple um, like chew toy type things like rope toys mm -hmm. went to because they were still in the stomach. They were huge. And um, the the internist was able to remove one of them. But the other one had like one of those knots and they just couldn't pull it out like where the the sphincter like where the esophagus meets the stomach there's like a muscle there and like they just couldn't get it past so i had to go in and do surgery to take the other one out so i had to rescue the internist because they were not successful at removing uh they removed one of them so they did half of it and then i mm -hmm. had to go in and finish yep finish the job uh but yeah so <laughs> gastrotomies are actually pretty pretty good to do and um it's it's a 
it's a bummer because you're like, oh, if I'm just going to do surgery to remove a foreign body, I'd r- rather remove it from the stomach. But if it's in the stomach, you're like, ah, oh, it's probably better to do endoscopy because it's usually a little cheaper too. Um, and then like once it leaves the stomach, you're like, everything gets harder. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then uh, the other reason I like to send animals to surgery sooner rather than later is that um, basically if there's a foreign body that's like stuck somewhere in the intestines, it can compress like on the intestinal wall itself and start compressing blood vessels. And then that section of intestine can die. And then if the intestine dies, it can leak and then it can cause a septic belly, which can lead to dying of the animal. Or even if that doesn't happen, you might have to like remove a section of the intestine or do what we call a resection and anastomosis, which is where you remove a section and then you sew the ends together. That's what the anastomosis is. And that's a way more, I mean, it's, it's not the end of the world, but it's a more complicated surgery than just going, let me make a little incision, pull the thing out and sew it back up. So, um, for me, if I'm the one that's going to be doing the surgery, I'm like, let's do it now because I want it to be the simplest, cleanest, safest possible surgery it can be. Um, I guess surgeons are a little more comfortable and confident, like, ah, I can fix anything. And it's like, but if they die, you can't. Um, so that's one thing that I think has been fun for me about being like the person to make the diagnosis, but also the surgeon is that I just have to argue with myself. (laughs) Um, and then no matter what I win. So that's cool. Um, and to be honest, doing surgery once in a while is pretty fun. I wouldn't want to be like a surgeon who did like three or four surgeries a day because let me tell you, I'm like standing there. It's like physically hard for me. (laughs) Um, And also like that would get boring for me. Like it's, it's fun. And like, there's the instant gratification of surgery where you're like, they have a problem here. It's in my hand right now. It's gone. (laughs) Like I've I've got it. It's smelly, but it's out. Um, And then they get better and it's, it's usually, and it's nice. Um, So I, I do get there is that there's a, you know, that's gratifying. The other cool thing about surgery, I don't think I've said this to you before, is that when you're in surgery, that's the only thing you're responsible for. Like my phone is going off and buzzing. It doesn't matter. It's in the other room. I don't even know about it. Everybody has to listen to me and do what I say. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that's kind of always true. Let's be honest. (laughs) Um, no, that's not true. I'd be cool if it was, but, um, everybody in that room kind of does. Well, anesthesia, no, they've got some autonomy. They could be like, Hey, you surgeon need to do this because you're screwing this up. But, um, no, it's really just that like, that is the, I only have one job. There is really no multitasking in surgery. This is, this is it. You have to focus your attention on this. And so, yeah, all of the like, Oh, I got that. You know, the text message came in or the doc halo or whatever. And like, bloop, bloop, yep, doesn't matter. All that's happening. <laughs> and you know, I'll have 37 messages when I get out that but that's a future me problem oh, do you like play a loud song while you're doing surgery oh that's a good point i haven't done that i because that's nobody, what you're supposed to do that i I've should seen from start the shows. doing that actually so i like having music on in the or that's a very like surgeon dependent thing um when i was a student have i ever told you this story no um when i was a student at michigan state a lot of the surgeons did have like they played music in the ors and so a lot of the ors had like CD players and things <laughs> like that in them. And I was on the surgical oncology rotation. It was like a three week rotation just with this one who, who was awesome. She was a really cool surgeon. And we had this Basset hound that was diagnosed. I can't believe I remember these details. A uh, Basset hound that had a thyroid tumor and we were going to remove the thyroid tumor. And I've, I learned at the time that thyroid tumors can be really vascular, a lot of blood vessels growing into them. And so removing them can actually be a little bit dicey, but it was a Basset hound whose name was James and his owner's last name was Taylor. So mm-hmm. the dog's name was James Taylor. And the surgeon um, was also a foreign body. 
And I can't remember where she was from, um, but like a Scandinavian country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, James Taylor. Oh my God, we have to play James Taylor in the OR during his surgery. And she's like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I was like, James Taylor. Like, and it's nice, calm, chill music, you know? And, um, and I was like, can we? And she allowed me to, she was like, this is very weird, but okay. So she was, she was really nice about it. And so I brought in one of my James Taylors, probably, I don't I don't know which, which one it was. Probably, I don't know. Anyway, um, I brought in a James T- James Taylor album and like gave it to the anesthesia team or the techs or somebody and they were playing it. And so it's like, you know, Sweet Baby James or some like really chill music in the background. And the surgeon after a little bit was like, no, we must turn this off. This is distracting. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I mean, to be fair, like, I, you know, I didn't. I'm like, you're a surgeon. You can like, you know, there could probably be bombs going off and you'd be fine. Yeah, the answer, the answer was no, that is loud. not how it was. And so she was really nice because she let me and she was like, yeah, okay. But then after it, she's like, no, we must turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was really funny. Um, she was really nice about it, but she was probably super annoyed with me. She was just like this stupid student <laughs> pointing out. Now everybody knows I can't do surgery with music playing, but it was, it was just this chill music. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I feel like that, I think I'd be fine with it, but because like distractions are like, like I'm pretty good at tuning those things out, but I probably would play the whole album and not notice it. Like, I, I think I would just tune it out and not either that or worse. I'd get kind of like start singing along, <laughs> get my hands. Cause Topher's always making fun of oh, like yeah, how that would I am be with my hands. Dangerous. I don't, it's not, I think when you're in surgery, you just, I don't know. You, you kind of switch. No, I've, you're very expressive with your hands. Yeah, but not when I'm singing, when I'm talking. And I'm talking in surgery all the time. Yeah. And I don't flap my hands around. Because, like, there's this thing when you've done surgery and you just kind of flip a switch. And you're like, you, you get trained when you're in school about, like, sterility and that you can't touch anything. And initially when you're learning, it's you're like, oh, it's, you scratch your face. Like, you do dumb things. But then once you've done it enough and you just, like, trained your head, you're like, I can't touch anything that's not in the sterile field. And you just, you do. And it's, not, and you notice if you don't, you go, oh crap, I broke sterility. I need a new glove. Um, it, it sort of does become, it turns out you can learn this. Yeah. And I can learn to I not talk. It pretty I'm well. like there right was one now of my, uh, talking with my hands. One of my friends that um, was going through dental school, <laughs> he had, he was like remediated a year. Oh no. Because he, he kept breaking sterility. Yeah, kept breaking sterility and the, the like, test for it or whatever yeah. it's like he was doing fine in all of his classes but because oh of that gosh. they were like you need to you, you're taking you a year off to practice that wow um again it's it's a lot easier to when, when you're first learning to not realize that you've broken sterility um but yeah like anything it just takes some practice initially you have to concentrate a lot on that like don't move my hands here don't do this touch the you know like keep my hands like here don't blah 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 no don't wipe your eyes that's the word like you have i always have to like turn to the anesthesia hey can you push my glasses up (laughs) hey can you push my glasses back um there's a there's a better there's a mask that um i one of the anesthesia techs was like oh wear this mask because one it helps prevent the fogging with my glasses but also it's got like this foam nose piece and then like my glasses kind of sit on it and they stay more um in place but anyway uh yeah you just have to learn like nope i can't do that nope i can't do that that's how it is. So, um, yeah. What else do we talk about with foreign bodies? Oh, the like linear foreign bodies. I think you talk about uh, that as being like a worse one. Is that because yeah. like the the intense just like like 
push themselves around it almost like squeeze in on themselves so or? yeah so um what will happen with a linear form body so a linear form bodies strings whatever cloth of some kind um it anchors itself somewhere so the the string gets looped around something or, or like a ball of it gets stuck somewhere and then part of the string is being pulled forward where the intestines are trying to move it forward and then what happens kind of like when you pull the drawstring on your sweatshirt whoop, the intestines bunch up and then but they keep trying got to try to work this through try and then they sort of saw so if you took a string and you just slowly went back and forth back and forth and like tried to cut i don't know some meat eventually you would tear through the meat it might not be it's not like a knife but eventually you're going to just run that tissue raw and so yeah linear farm bodies kind of suck um the the last one i did um it was anchored in the stomach which is where it usually is and so i went and did a gastrotomy cut into the stomach and removed what i thought um was all of the anchor part and then i went forward to the part in the intestines where it was and i hadn't gotten the entire anchor so i had to go back into the stomach which was really sucky loser yeah it was a big dog and um it was a it was like a sock or something like that that it had partially chewed up um so dogs if you're listening if you're going to swallow a sock swallow it whole don't chew it up and like pull the strings out because then you could just have a regular you know, nice soft form body rather than a linear form body, which is way worse. That one ended up being okay. And I just, I had to do uh, an enterotomy and a gastrotomy and then I had to repeat the same gastrotomy, but, um, I didn't have to do a resection, which are not fun. I mean, they're fine, but I don't want to do them. They're, they're longer and they're just, there's a higher likelihood of complications and stuff. So, yeah. So do the people get the stuff back? I always give them that option. Um, it was funny. Hannah was saying, she's like, nope, I don't give it back to them. I'm like, what? They paid a lot of money for that thing. <laughs> um, so I usually, when you take it out in surgery, it's always nasty. Um, and so I usually grab it with an instrument and then I hand off the instrument and the foreign body to like an assistant. And then they put it in a container, like a sealed container. Cause they always stink really bad. They're really, really smelly. Um, and then I just leave it in the container. Um, well, the tech will take the instrument away, but like I just hand it off sterilely because like, and then we have to go and clean things up. Cause why like does that it always smell so bad? I had a cyst once and they cut that open and it was like the worst smelling thing. Ever. Well, like there's a cyst is probably a lot of dead cells and dying is stinky, but the in, inside of your intestines. So you know how, like when you vomit, think about the smell of vomit. That's what the inside of your intestine smells I guess like. I don't feel like. Okay. Go bad. further along. Think about your poop. Yeah. Like the intestine smells like somewhere on the spectrum from vomit up near the stomach to poop out near the colon. And so there's a spectrum of smells <laughs> from the entire length of your GI tract. And so but everything you, I put in there smells so good. But if you combine, yes, but then you're breaking it down. Like yeah. you've got acids that you're breaking it down. You're destroying the tissues. And so if you were to blend, get the perfect blend of poop and vomit and you go into the middle of the intestines and you soak like, I don't know, a sock in that that f fragrance and then remove it. It's going to smell like 50% poop and 50% vomit. Yeah. I guess when I think of so, vomit yeah. smells, I think of cherry. What? Because the one time I drank a whole gallon of fruit punch and then I had to puke <laughs> it up because you you can't you really do that. <laughs> a Not whole in gallon one of sitting. Turns out you can, but you're going to your body yeah. is going to say no. <laughs> And it's it has two ways idea. of doing that. You're going to bring it out the front. Yeah. So if it's only been in the stomach for a little while and it comes out mostly unchanged, yeah. that's like dogs that um, get into a bunch of chocolate and then we induce vomiting. It's the only vomit that ever smells good because it just smells like chocolate. Um, but if it sits in there for hours and then moves along and then sits there for days, I promise you, um, the cherry 
you know, if like say you soaked a sock in that fruit punch and then you shoved it into your mouth for some reason, your body you <laughs> left it there. By the time I went and did surgery, it would no longer smell good. I promise. Um, you're just going to have to trust me on that. I guess I could bring you into the OR next time. No, no, no. Better. Yeah, that, that I shouldn't do that. You'll screw something up, sneeze in the <laughs> surgical site. But I'll, next time I have a foreign body, I will bring the container to you and I will give it to you. And I will be like, when you are by yourself or if there's a coworker you hate, you can open it up near them and you can take a big whiff of it. Because you don't sound like you trust me. No, I trust you. You're always trying to show me nasty stuff. <laughs> Oh yeah, we were looking through my phone, and I was just what yeah. There's the memory videos. Of oh, the, the memory, and know. one of them was the video of uh, of a student. I was taking video of a student who was lancing an abscess on the side. Yeah, it was. And I was like, oh, watch it. It's about videos. to get it was, good. It was like below because iPad knows not to put disgusting pictures in your memories. I don't know if it does. I guarantee you, there are no memory things of you cutting open dogs. I bet that there's enough of them. I think what they base the memories on is when there's a group of things that they can lump together and make it a series. Mm -hmm. There's a um, group of things of like nasty dog and cat pictures. Yeah, but anyway, it was this really satisfying video of a nice cheesy abscess, and Topher was he was literally covering she was trying it. to show. He it was to me. blocking the view with his hand because he was. All I'd use the out. blanket it's to block adorable. the view because my hand wasn't big enough. It's adorable. Yeah, Bobby's effort. So you're going to have to just yeah. believe if you marry a, a veterinarian or probably also a, like a human doctor person, don't look at their phone. <laughs> That's how I keep you out of my phone. I can put whatever I want in my phone and yeah. you're never going to find it. Yeah. Feel free to cheat because I'm not looking at your phone. <laughs> If you if you cheat, you probably shouldn't take pictures of your of your lover on and put them on your phone anyway. That would be stupid. Um, yeah, but if you do, sandwich them between two abscess lancing videos, and then you're gonna be fine forever. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, that that's. I mean, we could talk about like the post op stuff, but I, we we can do that on a different show. Like that, I think the diagnosing and then the surgerizing is the fun part. You didn't fix it with the surgery. Yeah. No, actually, you don't fix anything with surgery. I just created an environment that was more conducive to healing. Um, but now they, they have to do the work of healing. I just removed the thing that was preventing them from healing. And now they can heal properly. Mm -hmm. I also created some new wounds mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that they have to heal. Yeah. No. Surgeons take all the credit. Um, but actually, they don't fix that. Like, surgeons don't fix fractures. The body fixes the fracture. The surgeon just puts yeah. the ends near each other and holds them steady. Lame. Yeah, it's true though. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never fixed anything as a surgeon because that's not how it works. The patient fixes Pretty soon, themselves. once we get tricorders, you can start scanning once it. Once we get Rrr, what? Tricorders. Is this a Star Trek thing? Yeah. What is it? The tricorder. Which is? It's like a, so a it magic does wand. everything. It's a magic wand. Yeah. So initially it scans, it'll get you all your like x-rays and stuff and your blood gases and it'll let you know what's wrong. And then you're like, oh, yeah, boop, boop, boop. And then it'll fix whatever the problem well, is. Well, why do you even use the first button to figure out what's wrong if you just push the fix it button? Because Dr. Crusher needs to know. Why? Because she's a good doctor and she no, cares. No, it doesn't sound. It sounds like she's a sorceress. No, she's trying to figure out the problem so that you can stop doing it and stop bothering her. Oh, because they didn't know not to eat the thing that's not food? That's silly. Dr. Crusher was a real doctor. She it's treated a, a people good, that she could tell. It's a pretty good name, though. <laughs> um, but the people could also say, oh, yeah, I swallowed a bunch of rocks. Do you think it could be that, Doc? <laughs> Was that an episode of Star Trek? That would be a great episode. <laughs> there is an episode where they all turn into animals, and I think Ooh. maybe a couple of them have some animal diseases when they get turned back into people. Oh, that's hilarious. They come I back can't with, remember like, that rabies. part. 
Hopefully not, because that's not just an animal disease. That's mm-hmm. that's an everyone disease. Um, yeah, I think that's probably enough to say about foreign bodies for now. Yeah. Do you have questions? No, I think I answered all. You the answered them. <laughs> French. We. Uh, Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any other foreign body jokes you got? <laughs> no, the, the half Thor Bjornsson was mine. That, that was yours. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. Um, and yeah, keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm well, not actually, I wasn't trying to be a real surgeon. Um, but I, I play one on TV, um, only when necessary. In uh, critical situations. Have fun out there. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.